We're not particularly smart people, probably. We're just really, really lucky. When you get those chances and opportunities, you have to seize them. And that's where the choice comes in. I mean, you have a choice to sit at home or you have a choice to go out and do something. You have a choice to take a risk. That's David O'Halloran, engineer, adventurer and serial entrepreneur. He has worked both for multinationals and startup ventures. He focuses on initiating and developing sustainable businesses in the energy and agribusiness sectors in Africa. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we explore the idea of choice and what impacts our freedom of choice. We also discuss new interpretations of the richness of success, which may not always be about the money and much more. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. Today, I kind of wanted to explore this idea of choice and how we activate choice and how some people choose more consciously than others. And then other and then some people don't actually have that breadth of choice that we have in Western civilization and what we can do with our lives. Um, we may not cover it all. It's something that has come up in the podcast recently, and I just wanted to poke around at it a little bit. And so when I reflected on some of the intro conversation with our next guest, I just thought this was the perfect time to explore it. So today I want to introduce you to Dave O'Halloran, who's an engineer and serial entrepreneur, and maybe even, I don't know if he liked this idea, social entrepreneur. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, Fanola. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be against being called a social entrepreneur. I think that's uh, what what I and and my team see ourselves as. So that's uh, yeah. that's perfectly fine. Um, and I think that was one of the things we we noticed on our journey, and I particularly did was this idea that sustainability is you know it's not just about environmental sustainability, but the social side, which I really didn't have much of a a knowledge of or an awareness of when I was younger. I suppose I was lucky. I was living in the countryside and in a small village near Galway, and um, you know we had a a stable house situation. We had sufficient sufficient uh, you know opportunities. We had uh, plenty space in our house. We didn't really have any of the the challenges, financial challenges, or you know broken home challenges, or you know just lack of education or lack of opportunity challenges that I've seen. I've seen people struggle with. Let's let's talk about that journey then. So one of the things that's interesting about you is that, and it's it's so interesting because I know Dave personally, and sometimes these conversations don't emerge until situations like this occur. And it's like the hidden story, I feel, when we're talking. But you started your journey, you went straight from college into working for Shell, so straight into corporate life as an engineer. And it was, and you went from that role to actually completely going through sus- developing sustainable business in Africa. And the thing that struck me was the amount of countries that you've been to. You've lived and worked in Germany, the US, the Netherlands, Argentina, Namibia, Norway, Switzerland, UK, and then home, and actually also worked in 
Russia, Iran, Nigeria, Ethiopia, South Africa. Tell us the story from college, like, well, not every global out blow, but give us an idea of that idea of working for a corporate to kind of where you've come to now and why. Yeah, I, I suppose the, the how was I, I'd always been interested in, in travel, but I hadn't probably had much of an opportunity um, in those days, it was a, a big deal already to head to the UK on a family holiday when you were young. And I'd gone to Germany on, on work experience when, when I was in first year in college. And it was it was fantastic. It was a real eye opener. I couldn't I couldn't believe the, you know, the, the variety of, of style and culture and, and music and taste and dress having come from fairly conservative culture, I suppose, um, but also the the wealth mm-hmm. and the ostentatious wealth that seemed to be there. Um, and, and also the trees. I never got, got over the idea that there was trees everywhere where we were we were staying. And I've since seen that in Germany. It's one of the, you know, the countries with the most forest in, in, in Europe. Um, and, and again, you don't really expect to see something so different, so close to home. But but yeah, I'd I traveled. I'd spent some time working in the U.S. in in second year in college, and again in third year in college. Um, so I was ready really to to head abroad, and that was late. Um, well, early nineties really. Um, there weren't that many jobs around in Ireland still. Even if you came out with it with a you know a good degree, you you could struggle. A lot of people stayed mm-hmm. stayed in academia and did masters and i think that served a lot of people really well because the economy was starting to pull itself forward and and there were way more opportunities by the time we got to the mid 90s and the late 90s but yeah i i had jumped ship and i uh, got a job offer in the uk i got a job offer in in dubai and and one in in holland and i took the one in holland as being sufficiently far but not too far i thought dubai was a bit of a stretch at the time and and mm. uh, that that was with General Electric, uh, the UK one was with Ford and and uh, and Shell. And again, coming from Ireland, you you went for these household names. There were big big names. There were companies that could afford to recruit in in Ireland and send people to what were still marginal universities. So they they would have come and and uh, had milk rounds and and as they called them, and they would have come and recruited. So I ended up in the Netherlands. Yeah. And then how did tell us a little bit more about the journey and those kind of projects that you did. The nature of the work that you did yeah i suppose it, it you know it, it it really for me started from there then that um i i joined as an engineer i was supposed to be a a, a field engineer which was someone who worked on on the project sites um and i was supposed to be part of their international staff that they would parachute in a group of people into new projects or into expansion projects or new locations or even existing locations where they needed extra extra people to to work on on initiatives they were trying to start and and these were supposed to be bright people who could hit the ground running um hands-on capable people that um you know weren't weren't too um too afraid let's say to try new things and solve problems and, and work hard um, and, and I suppose I demonstrated a bit of that in my my uh, experiences prior to to working for them. So that's why they had hired hired me into that role. Um, very quickly, I moved kind of from the engineering side of things into more business, and and I joined um, uh, joined a team in Holland looking at international business development. Um, at the time, again, this was seen as a you know a nice nice place to work. It was it was cool, it was sexy, it was attractive. Kind of you were roaming around the world, and um, it, it was hectic, um, but it was really interesting, and that's what brought me to 
the former Soviet Union, which I had really no experience of prior to that, um, right into the heart of it in in uh, the depths of Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, into Ashgabat, into all all over Russia, into Armenia, Georgia, Azerbaijan, um, and and working on on projects and. And and that eventually brought me to Iran because we were working on a project to, to um, I suppose in in one way it was one of the first environmental kind of projects I experienced, even though it doesn't sound like it on the tin, but it was a project instead of shipping crude all 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 over long distances, but to swap it, um, so to take crude from the Caspian Sea areas and deliver it to the refineries in northern Iran. Most of the population in Iran is in the north, in the mountainous areas where it's more livable. And and take crew then from their production sites in the south of Iran and and ship it onto shell shell production locations around the world. So to swap basically shell crude in the Caspian with with Iranian crude in the south. Um, and this was the time when when um, it was after the the fall of the Shah. There was a lot of um, a lot of Western activity in Iran. Um, there was projects on on the go at the time to to look at shipping crude even from Af- uh, through Afghanistan and and out to the markets in in the Far East. Um, but yeah, it was a nice project because it, uh, it it really highlighted the idea that you can you can do something differently. And and that can have a very significant impact in in what is a dirty business. I think that stayed with you that idea for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I suppose that that awoke the environmental side. There were still social challenges, and 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 a lot of those countries I've mentioned still today have have a lot of social challenges, and and people are not you know, truly free to express themselves or or to to be themselves. Um, but but certainly it kind of awoke the environmental side. Um, and and then I, you know, at the time I was still living in Holland. I was traveling a, a lot from Holland. I had an apartment that, that literally never got used. Um, and then I, I had um, on one of my trips home, I had ran into an, an old friend of mine while crossing the bridge in in Galway, and and I completely. Um, hardly, hardly noticed her because I'd noticed the girl she was walking with across the bridge, who who is now my my wife, <laughs> and so we had embarked on a relationship then. And I was, I was literally getting home from a business trip and swapping it for a, an overnight bag and and going to Dublin for for weekends, and and we did that for a few years. But but uh, at at some point then in the in the late nineties, it was a case of. You know, settle down together somewhere, and it was either me quit and go back to Dublin, or or she quit and come with me to Argentina or or uh, Kazakhstan. And she turned down Kazakhstan, but we had two fantastic years in Argentina. Fantastic, wonderful, and what and how lucky to be able to share the journey with your partner. Share the adventure with your partner. Absolutely, and even her, she worked for Smurfit at the time. Um, they they were interested in having her continue working for them in in Argentina. Uh, Smurfit was a global paper company based in Ireland, basically, but global packaging paper, all sorts of packaging solutions, and they had a a business in Argentina. But she would immediately have gone on to U.S. terms, um, uh, which which were it was from the U.S. side that they had that business. Um, which meant no holidays in the first year, and I think two two weeks in the second year. So it really didn't didn't look like it was going to work for for us to see the see the continent and travel and and be a young couple together. So um, she retrained as a as as a as a teacher, um, did a TEFL course, 
and has been working in that sector ever since, even since we came back to Ireland. She's been working in the adult education sector in Ireland now and then teaching English initially, but but now teaching a, a wide variety of different programs. And, and it's it's interesting as well how that switching career created a career for, for her, even though initially it was just a, a sideline, so to speak, to, to stop her getting bored in this foreign country. Yeah, fantastic. One of the things that struck me in our conversation was this idea that and this is how you put it, that our social strata link us more than our culture, our education, our opportunities make all the difference. That poor people in the world over all over the world struggle in similar ways. Yeah. And, and, and I think talk about that. That for me, you know, was something I noticed when when you know, we, we, we went from Argentina on to Namibia and then on to, to Norway, still with Shell. And we were quite liking the moving around, but we were in this this kind of elite world almost where you had a lot of privileges. You were in countries that, obviously Norway, the exception, but in, in, in Namibia and Argentina, countries with a lot of poor and a lot of underprivileged. And, and, and you were in these little, you know, secluded communities almost um, of people who had the same opportunities you did and i noticed that um the the common thread wasn't um religion or or skin color or or you know uh, uh, where you came from let's say but it was it was your education level and the opportunities you'd had in life and and that really was drilled home to me i i went to switzerland i took a year out and did an mba and um it was an MBA that prided itself on its international um, cadre of students, um, and they, they would deliberately try to have a real mix. So there was one other Irish person on, on that MBA. Um, there were probably 20 other Europeans, but they really tried to get people from all over the world. And and we had so much in common, and it didn't matter whether you were Chinese or Brazilian or, or um, uh, Ghanaian or American or Irish, the common thread was we all had had good education opportunities, good um, career opportunities, good exposure, multinational work experience, etc. We were more similar than we were different. Um, and that included um, sexual orientation, it included gender, it included religion, as I said, it included skin color. All those things were kind of, you know, almost subordinated to the fact that we all had had these similar opportunities. Now, we weren't the same, but we were more similar than, than you know, some neighbors I've had in Ireland who just didn't have the same opportunities and and really had to to fight let's say to get them and and some of the the people that uh, that my wife has has met through her her teaching you know the differences are often how how you you know how you get the opportunities and and what you do with them than uh, than anything else and it was very very interesting for me oh, but it's it really struck me when you said that because it, it made me look around and realize that our traditional view of underprivilege or our views of different cultures and e- even the current discussion at the moment of the difference between there's a the difference between developed worlds and and, and the uh, non-developed worlds and that list that exists is actually out of date now but it's kind of interesting to reflect on this at the moment yeah for sure and 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 also to realize that you know we've a huge responsibility to to you know to to help people we come across wherever they are and and also to realize that you know we're we're not particularly smart people probably we're not particularly driven and capable people we're just really really lucky and and there's there's many people out there have so much more let's say going for them internally but have just not got access to the opportunities now 
when you get those chances and, and opportunities, you have to seize them. And, and that's where the choice comes in. I mean, you have a choice to sit at home or you have a choice to go out and do something. You have a choice to take a risk. And, and of course, there are people out there who don't take advantage of those opportunities. But there's a huge, huge number of people who don't even get those opportunities. That's a real differentiator more than anything. What I'd like to talk about now is how then you moved from Shell, the choice that you made. You know, you mentioned that you liked this idea that as you got older, you wanted to have more power over your own place in the world. You know, the difference between being told where to go and choosing where to go. So tell us about that, that move away from this nice, safe position with Shell all over the world, great opportunities to actually making your own. You know, the whole time that I'd been with Shell, I was conscious of that, that this probably wasn't something I would do for the rest of my life. And, and, and it wasn't for any particular reason. I mean, I was always with, you know, I had great, uh, great support structures, I had great education opportunities through them. I had great colleagues, you know, I really couldn't complain about anything. And, but I, you know, I did also feel that I didn't necessarily want, you know, we had plans to have a family and I didn't necessarily want my, my family to be part of what I saw. And again, some of these kids were great, but some of them were, were overprivileged and, and spoiled that had been brought up in that kind of moving around culture of a multinational corporation. Um, uh, and, and, and others, you know, highly intelligent, very smart, very capable, but, you know, clearly, you know, clearly had, had landed on, on, uh, on their feet, let's say, and, and had, had received so much to, in comparison to others. And I kind of felt that my kids would, would when we had them, would benefit from a more regular upbringing with, with a consistency and, and a, a set of friends and a set of neighbors and a set of, uh, of family members around them rather than this, this rolling around in a pseudo luxurious lifestyle. So we had a choice really after I, I did this, this MBA in Switzerland was to go back into that, that roller coaster with Shell and probably stay there for the rest of my, my career. Um, which could even have included retiring early. I might have been close to that by now even, um, or, or to, to, to take a different tack and, and to try and do something different. So w- we did that. I had some, some uh, student debt to pay off if I didn't stay with Shell, but I made that choice to do so. Um, otherwise, they would have covered that for me. Um, so I joined another company for a couple of years based in London. Um, which was a nice stepping stone back to Ireland as well, because bo- both my wife and I are Irish, so we always saw that as a very likely destination for us. Um, but but yeah, we went and joined another company. I was still working in international business development. I was still traveling a lot. Uh, we did a, a project in South Africa. We did a project in uh, in Hungary and another one in in Romania. I got to know Romania in a, in an amazing way. Our first child had had arrived um, during this time, and the second uh, arrived. Uh, um, at the end of that period, so we had two two kids born in London, and um, an opportunity that had presented itself to me when I was still still with Shell, um, but but I couldn't take it because it really was going to be working for for very little money and and setting something up was still available to me. So after two and a half years with with the power company based in London, I I set out and. Uh, formed a new partnership with with uh, old colleagues of mine um, two of them had been working already on a small consulting uh, activity and we expanded that with myself and another guy joining in to create business minds which is the umbrella for all all we've we do and all we've done since and and basically business minds 
you know does a little bit of advisory work but primarily we we set up and and run sustainable businesses in in africa and and through that vehicle we've we've set up africa juice africa fish power ventures africa carbon ventures africa the bloom accelerator we're working on the Phoenix Recovery Fund, and um, the the latest thing we're we're starting on now is is really looking at some green hydrogen as as uh, an interesting thing. And again, all these have spun off each other in in certain ways. We we set up the 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 first business was Africa Juice, and and Africa Juice has had a lot of challenges, but one of them was was the availability of reliable electricity in in Ethiopia. And we'd been struggling with this. We we had other friends and partners who were struggling with this in their businesses. So we set up a, a business to deal with that. And, and that business has grown. It, it has done projects in Ethiopia for us and for others. Um, but it's also done uh, a lot of projects in Zimbabwe, a lot in, in Jordan. And uh, we're looking at, uh, at other projects in Sierra Leone. We've done a few as well. Um, so it, it has become its own, its own entity and it's, it has its own successes. Um, and and it has now spun off a daughter company, which is Carbon Ventures Africa, um, which is looking at uh, carbon credits and reforestation initiatives, and combining back into this sustainability agenda. Um, that that business or those carbon ventures are all about um, uh, agroforestry and providing solutions to the communities in those areas who would have otherwise exploited the existing forests that resulted in in the in the removal of those forests um, but who still need some sort of a source of income and source of of revenue in order to in order to survive so you create an agroforestry business whether it's it's honey whether it's it's uh, oil seeds harvesting whether it's uh, ground level crops like uh, coffee that grows in the shade of of these trees you you create something even sustainable harvesting can be part of the business guarding the property can be part of the business so you create opportunities and work with the communities rather than set up a big fence and and hope they don't climb it like there seems to be a really strong theme here which is it's very conscious and organic the process of how these businesses emerge seem to be this ability to to see the problem and convert it into an opportunity every time. I, I think that's, that's a great way to describe a Finola and a way to describe it that I, I didn't know of until two weeks ago when I was preparing a small talk for the TY class in Waterpark that I gave earlier this week. And I came across a small little video and it said that really all entrepreneurship or all new business development is about thinking about the things that annoy you every day or annoy other people and seeing if there are solutions for those and seeing if there are innovative solutions for those. And it can be as simple as a better paperclip or as big as dealing with global warming or anywhere in between. But it was focused on that idea of the things that that get you, the things that don't seem to work right. Um, the things that, you know, the the audio platform you're using is a solution for people who wanted to make podcasts. It didn't exist probably 10 years ago. And it's designed to specifically address a number of the challenges people had when they were using other platforms or other solutions for podcasting that, that were not, not satisfactory or not good enough. Um, and I thought it was a brilliant way of describing it because that was the journey we organically, as you said, went along to set up these other businesses. They were dealing with challenges and opportunities we faced. Carbon Ventures was dealing with a challenge we had where we had land, which was, um, it had, it had, 
been deforested. It was suffering from soil erosion, um, and it was it was it was land that we were under threat that the government would take it away from us because they were arguing that we weren't using it while we were at the same time arguing that we couldn't use it because it wasn't suitable for growing crops. And so this Carbon Ventures is a solution to that problem. It's a way of utilizing marginal land in a community-friendly way that provides sustainable jobs and improve livelihoods in that area, delivers a return to us, delivers carbon credits to our customer, and create, you know, creates a, a fantastic cycle of opportunity from land that is, is, is currently deteriorating further. It's washing away, it's blowing away because there's, there's no, nothing growing on it. And that can turn back into some fantastic virgin local savanna forest um, in, in, in the space of 10 years. And and to me, that's you know that's that organic growth, but it comes also from a second element. So the first thing is being open to and listening listening to ideas and and and, and you know encouraging the development of ideas. But secondly, it's about collaboration, and I think you you know all about that. Mm. You do a lot of collaboration, and for us, mm. collaboration is 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 all about not going into something wondering what you can get out of it, but going into something wondering what you can put into it. And so every conversation I have, whether it's in, in an airport or in a bar or in a coffee shop or on a podcast, which is my first, I'm looking to see are there snippets of things that we can do together and that I can help you on, or maybe that you can help me on, but, but we try and give more than get. We, you know, we're quite happy to have the get down the line and to give up front and to trust people. So you go in very open, you, you know, you first of all, tell about your own problems and challenges. You go in very open for, for free collaboration. So you're not in immediately sending an invoice or trying to get a chargeable hour. You know, the belief is there that that will come if it's supposed to come, or you will get rewards through connections, goodwill, maybe a bit of work in the future, you know, whatever it is, maybe just a good conversation that stimulates the solving of a problem in your own head in the shower the next day. But that idea of collaboration. You're able to dream bigger because someone else is dreaming with you. And it also means that the dream becomes and and not just dream, problem solving, like big problem solving is much more possible when we collaborate, when we co-create. True. And, you know, the advice that I give my 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 colleagues and, and my family members, my kids, you know, and, and myself, and I don't probably I'm the worst to listen to it is forget about the, the big problem. Break it down. Look at the small little challenges. Do the ones you can do. Try and get someone else working on the bits that they can do. And then look at what's left and then see how you're going to solve that. Immediately, it's it's already less, you know, it's it's much more achievable or, or attainable, let's say, um, if, if you break it down. And we, we're involved in some, you know, some very big challenges. We've had, you know, even more challenges since I last spoke with you. Um, but we also still see those bright shining stars in the future. And, you know, this this uh, hydrogen idea, which is landing on our lap, and it comes from years of collaboration in, in Jordan with, with a particular individual who who realized that he needs help on, on this project. And he immediately turned to us because we, we had been straight and honest with him and, and we had demonstrated that we're good people to work with and that we're not out to steal an idea or we're not out to gouge. So people are usually open with mm. us. 
because we never take we always we'll always keep credit for people and and from that came the the bloom accelerator fund in ethiopia where again we had a lot of small businesses coming to us people sometimes who were buying our our fruit and vegetable products there um with with ideas for for business development and and expansion using our products to make sauces or or snacks or whatever they were doing um but but needed support they they didn't have access to finance they didn't have access maybe to you know marketing plan they couldn't they weren't credible when they went to to a potential european investor um so we partnered with them and most of these initially we would give free support eventually there would be a, a structure set up where whereby we we would get the promise of a participation in the business and if we took it all away like we've done with one earlier this year we become shareholders but until that point, it's all on a promise, it's all on trust, and it's all on faith, and 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 it works. And every now and again, we we um, we maybe give, give some advice and give some help and, and get nothing for it. But still, we see that we've built goodwill in those cases, and you know, usually we we're happy. And let me ask you this question: financially, how does this? I mean, it's not the traditional route for an entrepreneur to go. And it's often very challenging from a financial perspective because there is a lot of give and there's a lot of trust building and, and quite a lot of travel. How do you, you know, in our traditional view of what success is, which thankfully is starting to move, the success is marked, yes, financial success because you have to take care of your family, you have to do all of those things. But the success, the definition of success has changed then. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, thank God for that, because if it was just financial basis, I've, I've probably gone very much backwards in the last 20 years. Um, but it, it absolutely isn't that. Um, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm probably still failing dramatically on a variety of fronts. And, and you know, and that's, that's okay as well. You have to learn from that. And I've, I've probably learned more about myself in the last five years than I did in the, in the previous 35 years, or 50, 50 years nearly, um, but even thirty-five years if we exclude the the you know the the child element, um, and and part of that is having the chance to sit back and and you know talk to different people and 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 get out, get outside of that stream of of people with the same opportunities and the same educational background as I have, but speak to others and have those you know deep late night meaningful discussions uh, that 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 lead you to some insight about yourself, but. No, you know, we we went into business minds specifically stating we're not in this to to get wealthy. Um, it was all about creating flexibility for ourselves. We 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 had uh, three of the four partners had had young kids, and we all recognised the need to you know to to be around those kids and to be be have the opportunity to do so. So one of the things we wanted was that we weren't going to be forced to put them in creches and daycares and 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 you know be heading off travelling and be forced to leave them behind. Um, but that that was in our control. Now. Having it in your control doesn't mean you don't have to do it, but at least it means for me that I fly out on a Monday rather than on a Sunday, and I get back on a Friday rather than a Saturday. So I try and you know not eat into my weekends. I can also schedule it around activities or events. I can schedule it so that it doesn't clash with with um, Elizabeth's travel. Um, so it you know that kind of control and flexibility was important. But I you know I spoke to the the TY students and. I was saying to them that a lot of people want to work for themselves because they believe that that 
that's the end of of being told what to do um but in some ways it's just the beginning and it's just a different way of being told what to do instead of being answerable now to your boss and and whatever she or he tells you to do you're answerable to your shareholders your your bank manager your business partners you're answerable to different people in a different way no nobody is is on the phone saying why were you not at your desk at, at nine o'clock in the morning um but i do have people on the phone to me saying where you know where's my financial reports where's my profits where's my dividend where's my bank loan repayment and those are difficult conversations that you end up having as the you know as the entrepreneur and you wouldn't have if you were not the finance manager or not the HR manager or not the the operations manager. You would only have some of those. So, you know, it, you're always answerable to someone and you still have to perform and deliver, of course. And and uh, the big downside, as as you'll be aware of and a lot of people in, in our situation are aware of, is is the, the paycheck issue. So you don't have your, your salary slip, your paycheck, your deposit into your bank every two weeks or every month. Um and and that's something you have to manage. So for me, I only got into this when I had created buffers that allowed me to to do it. Um and, and those buffers were invaluable. And even still we we at the beginning we were too happy to to not get paid and to, you know, go on on sweat sweat bases um to you know to to put it on a on a on a potential future payment and and the key thing and the advice i give any young entrepreneurs is always try and take a paycheck even if it's 200 quid a month take something take something have it established have it there build it up in the good times take it back a bit in the bad times but always take something never work for nothing always Mm. work for something absolutely and and we had a, a small bit of consulting work that we did for sustainable transport. We worked for the World Resources Institute, and we still work for them. We come back. the The, the service we provide is around um, bringing teams together to develop sustainable transport solutions, and they do. They tend to do city by city around the world. They'll drop in. They'll sit with the city planners, the city engineers, and and the budget, the finance people, and they'll make a plan to implement a sustainable transport solution in. It could be anywhere. We've done Sao Paulo, we've done Istanbul, we've done Chennai, we've done cities all over the world. But what the service we provide is helping all those sides have a common vision, a common goal, and and work out a path to get there. And um, you know, we started off with those guys um, talking about giving them a, a reduced rate because they're they're an NGO. And and my colleague who comes from Uruguay and is is a real a real dynamic person knows the absolute truth of being born in in a wealthy in a wealthy group in a poor country. Um, explained to me that if you if you charge them a reduced rate, they'll value it at a reduced rate. So she said the best thing you can do is 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 tell them this is the rate we we charge. We'll give you the best absolute best service for that rate. Um, we'll help you to reduce your need for us so that you only have to buy four hours rather than four days and we'll give you value for money but but this is the rate and the best thing you can do is get us quickly to train your people to take over that that work from us because she really felt that it was it was otherwise leading people down a path of getting the consultant in because they're free someone else is paying for them and then overusing them using them for the wrong the wrong things never weaning themselves off so to speak and uh, i thought it was i thought it was good advice really you know you you need to pay yourself something even if it's not all you're worth but you need to pay something and uh, and you need your client to value your work and and i've noticed as a final point I'll, <laughs> sorry i keep rambling on but the you know it's the okay. 
the the client you know needs to see the true cost of of the contributions um in order that they can value them correctly um and it's the same f- for us when when we're buying in consulting services you know we have to really see the true cost if someone else is paying for it I treat it very differently. If someone else is paying it, I don't manage that contract as tightly. I don't. Uh, I don't performance manage the consultant. I don't expect the deliverables in the same way as I do when it's coming out of my pocket. And and it's the same even in you know in my home. If someone else is paying for the work, I can't expect them to do it. You know, I expect them to manage the contract. If I'm doing it and it's it's my my payments, then then I'm on I'm on that. It's a great message. What would you like people to walk away with today? Um. You know, one one thing for me, I suppose, is you know this idea that the the entrepreneurial route is is something that's that's a, a valid option for for people um, who are considering it or or who are sitting in 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 a in a salaried position and wondering if they should switch and having have an idea, um, and and to just go into that kind of if people are considering that to go into it kind of eyes wide open and so create your safety nets as I said. So instead of having a great last year in your work, partying and, and doing all the trips you think you won't be able to do next year, put some money aside for the, the dark days when, when you maybe don't have a paycheck to rely on. Um, also to be open, um, to go into conversations, go into to dialogue with, with customers, collaborators, friends, family members, whatever, but be open and 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 hear and listen what what is available to you, um, and be open about what what you're looking for and what you can offer. And you never know where the opportunities and and collaborations can come from. And and connecting things together. So I talk to you. I hear what you're interested in, and I'm I've in the back of my mind whenever I come across some some things that might might link. I say, I wonder if I should mention that to Finola. Is that something she might like? And then to do it. So to make that connection. You'll say, no, I've, I don't do that, or I'm interested, oh, or great, I've always wanted to speak to that person or to, to get to know more about that, that idea. I love it. So you, you have the choice, but I've passed it on to you then at least. So make those connections and, and make those networks. Um, and, and then to realize as well that, you know, don't be seduced by the grass is green, thinking that everyone else is a better deal than your own deal, you know. More than likely, you see the positives and you don't see the negatives. Um, and yeah, there's there's huge benefits to working for a multinational corporation and, and getting a nice paycheck in at the end of every month and have someone else dealing with legal issues and HR issues and all the things you don't deal with. If you're the marketing person, you don't have to worry about finance. And there's and there's huge opportunity to learn and expand yourself, of course, and to, and to have fun. But Maybe that's the, the bottom line is to try and be do, doing something that is stimulating. And, and yes, you will have challenges and you will have pains and, and problems. But as long as you find it entertaining and interesting, it's, uh, it, you know, for me, that, that helps to, 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 to make up for any pain. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dave. That was amazing. I, I hope so. I, you know, I've enjoyed chatting to you, and and uh, I, I did I I did all the talking today, nearly. But uh, our other times talking, I always see that there's there's a huge realm of stuff out there in the marketing world that I don't know. It was worthy listening. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about David and the incredible work they are doing in Africa, check out businessminds.eu. 
that'll also connect you to their portfolio of companies and the approach they're taking to support these initiatives. And if you love listening to this podcast, please leave a five-star written review in Apple Podcast. It helps me understand what's working and encourages others to take a listen, which would mean the world to me. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.